Welcome to another episode of the Providence Friarcast, presented, presented by, by PCBB 1917.com. Your home for Providence College basketball news, notes, and opinions. Now here's the founder of PCBB 1917.com and your host, Mike Hopkins. Jalen's offensive rebound, but more importantly, the free throws. You know, we were able to capitalize on the free throws, Kyron's free throws. Um, Rodney made a timely three as well in that big run that we had. And then, you know, he made two free throws there. Um, I'm really proud of the seniors. You know, this four years has been amazing with them. I've watched these young kids grow when they, when they were recruited to their freshman year, sophomore year. Um, a lot of ups and downs, but more importantly, all the young men are going to graduate. They're going to represent Providence College in a first-class manner. And as a dad, I'm really proud of that for what they've been able to accomplish. And welcome back to another episode of the Providence Friarcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been a little bit since we did a podcast, but we are back. And I'm not sure if you heard, but this is March. It's uh, a couple days here before the uh, start of the Big East tournament. We recorded Tuesday night. Brendan McGarr and I uh, recorded a little earlier, and you'll hear that in a minute. Uh, what you just heard was Ed Cooley after the St. John's game on Saturday. Providence with a 61-57 victory to close out the regular season at 10-8 and eight in Big East play. Obviously, senior day. He was talking a little bit about uh, Jalen Lindsey and Rodney Bullock and Kyron Cartwright and uh, how they made some key plays down the end of that game to win it. And uh, also just a little bit in general about how he proud he is of their uh, growth and maturity. So a uh, little bit from Ed Cooley there. You'll hear uh, a little bit from Brendan and I on the St. John's game, a little bit from Brendan and I on the kind of the regular season overall, the fifth straight year with 10 Big East wins for the Friars. And we will look ahead a little bit for Thursday's uh, Big East tournament game in the 4-5 game against Creighton, which tips at 2.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. And let's go. Providence off a 61-57 win on Saturday to close out the regular season against St. John's on Senior Day, getting them to 10 wins in Big East play, which is now the fifth straight year that's happened, all all five seasons of this current configuration of the Big East with at least 10 wins, which uh, in the prior configuration they'd only done six times before 13-14. Just overall, uh, Pretty firmly on the bubble. We'll get into that a little bit more later. But 10 wins, tied for third in the league, and the five seed in the Big East tournament this week playing Creighton. Uh, pretty low-scoring game on senior day, but seniors made a couple big plays and uh, were able to get out of there with a Shamari Ponzales St. John's team. Brendan, uh, let's let's hear your thoughts on the 10-8 and eight season a little bit and then the St. John's game. I mean, obviously, when you look at that 10-8 season, it's very top-heavy where you have wins over two possible number one seeds in Villanova and Xavier, but also there's a loss to DePaul in there as well. So you have the yin and the yang in terms of success. 
you did complete a sweep of of St. John's, which I thought was very key, especially Saturday, you know, going into the Big East tournament with ten with double digit Big East wins. You know, the only team that if you look at this tournament, do the Friars really have a team that you don't want to face? That would be Seton Hall, a team that uh like you and I were discussing right before we came back on the air, Angel Delgado not making the first team all Big East. That was a bit of a snub, at least in my book. But um you know, ten and eight, same as last year, and it's a different. Like we said, it's a different route to get to that ten and eight. There wasn't as many, maybe upper echelon wins like there were a year ago. But you know, the Friars they do own victories over not only two surefire NCAA tournament teams and Xavier and Villanova, but also Creighton, Butler. You know, just uh, just taking care of business against. Those teams, will that be enough to get you into the big dance? I mean, we shall see. You probably feel would feel a lot better about their NCAA tournament chances, providing they take care of business on Thursday. But uh, the resume is certainly, I guess, it looks it looks good heading into the next phase of the season, which is the postseason, and kicking off with conference uh, tournament action. Yeah, and I think the important thing, too, um, obviously been pretty much up and down all season. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. You mentioned some of the highlights. There's also been some lowlights, the loss at UMass, losing at home to DePaul. Uh, part of that, you know, they had injuries and some illness throughout the year, but every team has injuries and illness. And uh, Providence fans have to hope that those big wins overshadow the bad losses. I think right now they are, but, again, a, a loss on Thursday and you – make yourself vulnerable to bid stealers or teams that can make noise in their own conference tournaments who are on the bubble with you. So I think overall 10 and 8, I think we're in agreement pretty solid. Uh, in terms of overall from a program perspective, pretty impressive. Obviously, this is a different Big East in terms of maybe the depth and talent from, you know, obviously less teams. But to be in double-digit wins – in league play all five years, they finished pretty much third or fourth pretty much every year in the standings um, before tiebreakers. Uh, so being in the top half pretty much every year and now with the chance to go to five straight NCAA tournaments and if they went on Thursday to get their uh, fifth straight 20-win season, which is another thing now, streak to look forward to is the third longest streak in program history behind eight wins in the 70s and nine wins in the late 50s early 60s so things are on the up and up uh but you know that's that's more something to, in the off season we can look back on and talk about um as far as the big east uh all conference teams you mentioned uh providence had Kyron cartwright on the honorable mention he and bullock were both uh second team performers last season so a little bit of a step back there uh no, no Providence player going to win Most Improved or Defensive Player of the Year or, or any of the uh, individual awards. They announced Defensive Player of the Year, Kyrie Thomas. I think that's pretty deserving. Miles Powell, Most Improved. He's been very, very good down the stretch. I think there's an argument there for Alpha Diallo, but Powell's numbers are just better. Um, and then uh, I thought that, as you mentioned, Delgado being snubbed a little bit on the second team. A little bit surprised there's no Jesse Govin there. Uh, I guess they, they put Derrickson as the token Georgetown player on the first and second team. Uh, he was a second team, all Big East. So 
I don't know. I, I, these awards, we were talking before, they're voted on allegedly, quote-unquote, by the coaches or the someone in the athletic department or their wife or their daughter. I mean, who knows? But, yeah, so it's... That's why you get these head-scratchers sometimes. Yeah, so it's at the end of the day, it's a nice thing, but it's not the end of the world. Uh, probably more often than not used uh, as motivation by by people who are snubbed than enjoyed by the players who are on it. Um, but looking at looking ahead at uh, at Thursday, obviously Creighton, uh, familiar opponent. They're back this year in the four five game. It'll be two thirty p.m. on Thursday, playing at uh, on FS1. And uh, really, I think honestly, of all the teams they could have gotten for this matchup in the first round, probably overall the best in the sense that I think if you got like a Marquette, those are two teams on the bubble. That might be a win and you're in, lose and you're out kind of situation. And then you get on the other side, you get uh, Seton Hall obviously has been a problem. Like you mentioned, they lost both games to Seton Hall this year. And Butler has been playing pretty well down the stretch. Uh, and another team that's very close to Providence on the bubble aspect. So Creighton actually, I think on a neutral floor, not a bad matchup. Ken Palm right now says 73-68. Creighton victory on Thursday. I tend to think it'll be played a little slower and in the uh, upper 60s, just off the top. That's just how I feel about it. But Providence currently sitting at bracketmatrix.com as the fourth 11 seed with an average seed of 10.74. They're in 109 of 130 brackets as of this recording. Um, so some work to do, obviously, but uh, I think most people would agree a win on Thursday and the Friars are going to be dancing for a fifth straight year. Absolutely. Um, it's a typical Big East tournament. Take care Take of business, care of business on, Thursday. on Thursday. Sleep, Sleep easy, easy Thursday, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and, you know, just gather on Sunday night to see when CBS pulls up the brackets and see where you are and hopefully not going to Dayton like the Friars did a year ago. I mean, that uh, Dayton loss, I mean, that um, great loss a year ago in the Big East tournament, was that the really deciding factor why they went to Dayton, or was it because of other things that happened in the two or three days afterwards that kind of made the committee slide the Friars to that to that first floor? I mean, um, you could argue URI stole a bit a year ago in winning the Atlantic 10 tournament, but um, that's what you're trying to play for right now if you're PC. You know, you win on Thursday, you feel a lot better about your chances come Selection Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you really just have to look at it as uh, every game now is an opportunity. And if you keep winning, good things will happen. So if they win, they get uh, most likely Xavier uh, at 630 in the semifinal game on Friday. Xavier, for the first round by his number one overall seed, they'll play the winner of Georgetown and St. John's, which will open the open the tournament Wednesday night at, uh, I think, 7 p.m. tip. So Creighton, Thursday. Obviously, Marcus Foster, Kyrie Thomas, they're two key guard wing players. Uh, Ed Cooley uh, discussed specifically a couple things on Monday during the Big East media call when uh, he was asked about Creighton. He said you really have to look at transition and offensive efficiency with them, and I think that's pretty fair to say. Uh, I went to Synergy to take a look and see exactly what Cooley was talking about. And he's pretty accurate on the transition aspect. They, uh, they're they 32nd in the country in uh, points per possession. 
in transition, and they play almost 25% of their possessions in transit on their offensive side in transition, which is the third most uh, offensive possessions in the country in transition. So they like to push the pace. Uh, Providence, on the other hand, likes to play a little slower. They have, I think, the slowest tempo, adjusted tempo in the Big East. And uh, I think they'd like to play this game around 70 possessions. Creighton probably closer to 80. So I think that'll be it'll be a battle of who can control the tempo and speed of the game. Obviously, it helps uh, if you score the ball. It helps prevent transition. So that could be something that Providence could look to do more consistently, which has been a bit of a problem with their three, four, five-minute scoring droughts. But um, the, I think the, the the key for Providence all season long, and it will be throughout the rest of this postseason here, is they need to be able to play defense consistently. And if they can do that, they can stay in any game, and God forbid they get hot once in a while and make some threes. And uh, they can compete with anybody that they're going to face probably from here until April. I think one thing too, Mike, is can we get Jalen Lindsey going again? He's uh, in the midst of about four or five-game punk where he hasn't scored in double digits. Struggle with his outside shot, which is uncharacteristic for a player who's been hailed as a very strong three-point shooter. Can he get going? Or and can Rodney Bullock maybe channel that uh, performance he had against Georgetown a couple Saturdays ago where he had five threes and bring that to Madison Square Garden with him? But you know, we mentioned those two seniors, but the senior that everything comes down to and players spoke about this during the media availability at Alumni Hall on Monday morning is Aaron Cartwright. In that first game against Creighton on New Year's Eve, Cartwright exited the game with, uh, once again, a ankle with the ankle injury that kind of bothered him for much of December when the Friars and the Blue Jays met again a few weeks later in Providence. He already had a tremendous game. He had about 20 points. He really controlled the tempo. Everything, uh, like you mentioned, Craig wants to play fast. PC has that kind of kind of counterpunch with Cartwright when he's going at uh, full speed. Right, and that's the key. And I, I know you mentioned that. Uh, I think you tweeted for, uh, from Monday's practice that he's got a little bit of a hamstring, but I, I don't think it'll be anything to worry about right now. Um, no, I don't think it's anything. Yeah, so I think at this point it's more about how much do you want it? I mean, for these seniors, this is this is it. If they manage to lose on Thursday and some things don't fall their way the rest of the week and come Selection Sunday, they become a one seed in the NIT. Uh, that's, that's not how they want their careers to end. And um, they don't want to be the, the group that ends the streak that was started before their time. So. Um, Really, just generally, that's I think that's a key thing. Uh, on Creighton, a couple a couple other things on Creighton specifically. Uh, they've been dealing with some injuries lately too. Ronnie Harrell, um, who had stepped up nicely after uh, Martin Crompool's injury, torn ACL in the middle of January. Harrell had stepped up well. He's their leading rebounder since uh, since Crompool went down. He missed the last three, I think, three or four games with uh, a foot injury. He did yes, warm correct. up on their last game, but hasn't pra- didn't practice up until that point, so his status is unclear. Jacob Epperson, um, the freshman from Australia who was supposed to redshirt this year, 
decided to bag the red shirt after Crownpool got hurt. He's played pretty well over the last month and a half, two months. And uh, he went down with a little bit of a knee injury in their game against Marquette. Only played two second half minutes. His status also unclear at this point as we're recording this. So those are two big potential pieces that could be banged up or, I don't know, unless there's something major that we are going to hear about, I think they'll probably both go. Uh, playoff time, as Cooley said when he was talking about Kyron's hamstring, everybody's a little banged up this time of year. So um, aside from maybe the Big Ten who gets a week off now because of their idiotic week early uh, attempt to get into uh, Madison Square Garden, I think everybody else just have to deal with the bumps and bruises. Um, other than that, though, I mean, it really comes down to tempo, making shots, and uh, and who wants it more. And I think Marcus Foster, as a senior, has a bit of a legacy. He wants to uh, put a stamp on at, at Creighton after he transferred in from Kansas State and found a second home with Greg McDermott. So, I mean, a lot of things up in the air here. Creighton pretty solidly in the tournament, I think. I think probably 7-8-9 is their seed line right now, most likely. So, um, as for the game itself, I, I don't know if it'll be anything special that will happen. Like maybe four years ago when Providence came out and just played zone a little bit against Doug McDermott, which everyone was very confused about. I don't think you'll see anything like that. These teams know each other well. Obviously, Ed Cooley and Greg McDermott are good friends, and they speak all the time. So, no secrets uh, at no secrets at this point in March. So, they really just need to. Uh, to show up, which has been a bit of a problem in the Big East tournament over the last several years, at least slow starts for Providence. Yeah, it's, um, last year was a, I believe it was a slow start. They uh, trailed, I believe, big in the first half against Creighton last year. I mean, don't just go back to their history, like since winning the Big East uh, tournament in 2014. 2015, I believe they beat St. John's. They lost to Villanova on a little bit of a controversial ending there. Following year, they beat Butler, and they lost to build over again. And last year, they lost to uh, Creighton. Um, I think they, if they win, they're all set. No questions asked. They're an NCAA tournament lock. If they lose, I still think they're in. I just think they'll end up going up to date. Yeah, that would be. I don't need to drive to Ohio again. So if they could avoid Dayton, that would be. Phenomenal. I mean, I, I'm not going to be choosy, but Charlotte wouldn't be a bad place. Or maybe Dallas, uh, Pittsburgh wouldn't be bad in the sense that it would be drivable. But uh, Charlotte's nice. Cheap flights, a two-and-a-half-hour flight right down there. Maybe maybe even play a little golf. We'll see. I mean, yeah, I'm not Absolutely. I'm not getting ahead of myself, but uh, it wouldn't be bad. In terms of NCA polishing for either one of these squads, to be honest, you know, given their the RPIs and metrics and things like that. This is like maybe really a, a resume polisher kind of game. Certainly is a fun time of year for college basketball fans. Hope to see some people at Madison Square Garden this week and uh, maybe even Saturday. We'll see how things go. Uh, also, uh, Providence has their big event later on Wednesday night at PJ Clark's. Possibly see some people there. Uh, Want to give a special shout out now to some of my patrons. You can head over to patreon.com slash pcbb1917. For as little as $3 a month, you get access to our Slack community. And it's, I got to tell you, it's been a lot of fun. We talk uh, all day, every day pretty much, uh, sometimes during the games, uh, sometimes uh, a little recruiting talk. I mean, it's all over the place, uh, a lot of good guys in that group. So uh, head over to patreon.com slash pcbb1917 to check it out. 
want to give a special shout out now to JLD, John Lee Dumas, Mike Evans, my parents, Adam Nagel, Bob Allison, Ron Torbick, Brendan Ryan, Dan Marcus, Joe DeAngelis, Dennis Corbett, Mike Saburn, Ray Penza, Dennis Burns, Alex Simeone, Chris Thurlow, G, Terry Meyer, and Alan Russ. Make sure you head over to iTunes to rate and review and make sure you're subscribed so that you get automatically any new podcast that we drop. We're hoping to have a few more if the Friars can keep moving here. Uh, we'd like to get one out before uh, their next game after Thursday, whenever that is. If it's uh, possibly we talk on sele- after the Selection Sunday results. Uh, but make sure you're, you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast so that you automatically uh, are downloading our most recent episodes. And everybody in the uh, Northeast dealing with uh, Nor'easter, the storm Quinn. Uh, everybody stay safe out there. Uh, a little bit of a blizzard, so maybe just stay in and, and watch a lot of college hoops over the next few days. And we'll talk to everybody next time. Don't forget to subscribe to the Providence Friarcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Follow Mike, follow Mike Hopkins on Twitter and Instagram at PCBB1917. Like the Facebook page, and as always, stay classy, Friartown.